Bonjour et bienvenue. You are listening to You Are So French, Success Stories à la Française. The podcast talking about success stories of French people in Australia. I am Aurélie, I'm from France and I've been living in Melbourne for many years. Since my beginnings down under, I've always been passionate about hearing the stories of my fellow French who found their place, their mission or their purpose so far away from their homeland. I always have so many questions to ask them. Did they have a dream when they moved to Australia? Or did their aspiration develop with their life here? And really, how did they make it happen? Our guest will share what it means to undertake a project out of their comfort zone, the cultural differences they faced, and how being French in Australia has been a bonus, or perhaps sometimes a challenge, in their endeavors. I invite you to follow inspiring journeys into different fields, entrepreneurship, personal development, relationship, or career, to name only a few. While everyone has his own definition of success and ways to reach it, courage, determination, confidence, and intuition seem to always be part of the recipe, the achievement of something positive. This is what success stories mean here and what we will discuss, with passion, honesty, and of course, a bit of an accent, in three words, à la française. In today's episode, we are chatting with Claire Voss. Claire is a French Perth-based professional ballerina who performed at a soloist level and who has just retired from the West Australian Ballet in December 2022. Her new venture, Voss Moves, it's all about movement, just like Claire's life and energy. Be ready for a conversation full of moving paces. You can hear love and smiles, moving memories and travel stories. This episode was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulig Nation and the Wojak Nunga people. We acknowledge the traditional owners of these lands and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Bonne écoute. Bonjour Claire. Bonjour. How are you today? I'm good, thank you very much. How are you? Yes, I'm good and I'm very, very happy to welcome you on You Are So French. Thank you for accepting uh, my invitation. So as a little introduction, what I do usually is I ask my guests to go back in time, go back to these very first days in Australia when you arrive. You probably had dreams, plans, maybe some first impressions. So if you could take us back in time with you and tell us about you and your first days in this country. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I remember it very well. And the, the reason why I came to Australia is very, it all happened in a funny way, in a good way, in a positive way, but it was all really, I think, fate, if you want. So basically, I came to Australia for my job with the West Australian Ballet. And uh, I had at the time a full-time contract with Finnish National Ballet, which is really an amazing opportunity to have in the art a contract like this because they allow you in Finland to take two years of leave where you keep your contract. You're just not paid. So you can go and explore another company, another country, or if you want to go study, you can use those two years and then come back after. And for me, I was 29. I was getting not tired, but I was, 
I thought I've seen what Europe has to offer and I kind of want to have an adventure. And for me, it was like the perfect adventure to go to Australia. I've never been to Australia before. I've just heard amazing stories about how, you know, every man are super hot and (laughs) (laughs) people are so nice and, you know, the nature, everything. And I knew I had nothing to lose because I could always come back to Finland to my job if I didn't like it. But I remember being at the airport. So I left from Frankfurt airport on the 12th of July because my birthday is 11th of July. So I said, okay, I'm not going to leave on my birthday. I'm going to leave the next day. And then I remember I've always been super proud and like strong, don't show your emotion. And I remember being with my parents, having a one last drink before I had to go through, you know, a custom and everything. And I started being like, I just broke in tears. And I said to my parents, I am not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm terrified. It's the furthest I've ever been. And I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what Paris was like. I've always been in Europe. So if I've thought, you know, if something happened to my family or if I had a hard time, I could just take a plane and within two hours I was home. Yeah, I remember I just had my two suitcase and off I go. And I arrived really late. I arrived in Perth at like 1am, something like that. And I don't know, for the people who've been to Perth, Perth is great. It's beautiful. But the the drive between the airport to Perth is not the most, you know, a romantic drive. And it was dark and it was winter. So I was coming from European summer and I was like, all right, well, I guess that's it. The adventure begins. And so I, I arrived with a complete open mind. And in my mind, I was like, I'm here for one year. If it's good, I extend it to my second year and we'll see, you know, kind, kind of like come what may. Yeah. And from then, like I arrived in this family, that's what I was renting just a room. And also for us European, it's a bit weird to just like you know, share the housing so much, at least like in France. And I've never done that or wherever I lived in Europe, I always had my own apartment. So to be in a shared house with a family, I was like, hi, I'm French, you know, hi. Anyway, I had no car and Paris is so big and so spread out that if you don't have a car and the public transport is not the best, I'm sorry, Paris, but I think there's some improvement to be made there. I arrived and I had no idea. I was far from the CBD. And yeah, and so the next day I woke up and I was like, wow, I'm in Australia. I just went, all right, let's go to the city center. Let's get a SIM card because you need a SIM card. I took an Uber because I'm like, I'm not taking the train yet because I'm so lost. I have no idea where I am. Because also I found my place through a Facebook group. So I had no idea of what, how. I just knew it was close to the ballet and that was good enough. And then just arriving in the CBD and I was like, oh my God, the building are huge. Like, you know, a bit like this vibe that I was like in a mini American city with like really tall building and everyone just being so friendly. And I was just so happy also to speak the language because for the past six years I was in Finland and I didn't speak fluently Finnish. So that was my first impression. And really just I had no expectation because I had no idea you know apart from like the cliche of like everyone surfing and you know everyone's super friendly I had no idea so I was just like well let's see and if I hate it I just go back home 
When was it? Well, I arrived on the 13th of July, 2016. So six, six and a half years ago. Well, I guess we can assume that you loved it then. Yes. Uh, well, I think when you don't have expectation, right? When you just go with a positive mindset. I just wanted an adventure and I really didn't expect it to be like fall in love with Australia so much. It's the place I feel the most home. Uh, even though I've lived in many different countries in Europe, I just feel like the minute I arrived in Australia, I don't know, I, it just felt right. I remember when my parents came to visit me three months after I arrived in October 2016, we visited down south, so Margaret River for the first time, obviously being French, we want to go to the wine region, you know. South and west is just incredible. The nature is just so beautiful. I don't know. And I remember we were with my parents and we were looking at, it's super cliche and tacky, but like cheesy. We were looking at the ocean and my mom looks at me and she's like, you're never coming home, are you? And then I looked at her and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't think I am. I don't know, I just know that moment. And I remember the cafe, um, there was like, there's a little coffee shop called the White Elephant Cafe, um, Privily Beach. So anyone who's been to Margaret River and loves surfing, they would have been there. Yeah, I, I remember being there and just being like, this is it. Like, I want to make my life in Australia and in Perth. It's yeah. giving me shivers, what you say, because I, I feel like it's when we experience this kind of moments, this moment in life when you feel like everything stops and you like just feel in your whole yeah. body. And you know it's right. It's like... And I, I'm really a big, but I mean, with my my job anyway, like I'm really in tune with my body. And for me, I always know when it's right, it's right. And it's just a gut feeling, right? And all my decisions I've made in my life, I've made them through my gut feeling. And I will always remember that moment where I was just looking. And that's why every time I go down to Margaret River again, I love going back to the White Elephant Cafe and my partner hates it. She's like, oh, do we have to go back? I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's a pelerinage. <laughs> you know, we have to go back where it all started. And just thinking back as well, I get a bit like teary as well, because it's like six and a half years ago. And obviously life happened in six and a half years, right? When we had a little chat to prepare this conversation, you explain a bit to me how it happened and actually what brought you to Australia, because it kind of happened in two stages, right? I feel really grateful because... Uh, in the ballet world, it's very, very hard to find jobs. And if an artistic director likes you and wants to work with you, you're crazy to say no. And so when I was 25, there there was a guest ballet, ballet master, French-Belgium, uh, Aurélien Scanella. And I always loved these ballet classes. We always got along really well. And then I remember we were rehearsing a ballet called Le Corsaire. And I was really well casted. I also just got my lifetime contract in Finland, which is like, you know, the same grail of like the contract. And then he comes to me and he's like, look, Claire, like I'm taking the directorship of uh, West Australian Ballet and I'm going to Perth in six months. Okay. Well, in Australia, it's like, yeah, I'm like, where the hell is that? <laughs> Being, you know, young and naive. And then he's like, yeah, and I would love you to come with me and work with us at the West Australian Ballet. I remember freaking out. I was like, oh my God, of course, like the dream is to have an artistic director offering you a job and it has to be in freaking at the end of the world, you know, in Australia. And I was just not ready. And I just had my new contract. And at the time I was so well casted in the company. And I said to him, I was like, look, thank you so much. I'm so grateful and honored, but it's not the right time for me. And I'm so sorry because obviously, you know, I feel like we would work great together. 
And this never left me. I always regretted. I always had it again in my gut that I was like, oh, I should have gone. Like, you know, it's just, you don't say no to that. And then while well, life happens, and again, I think everything happens for a reason, that same year I met my ex-boyfriend who was like a globetrotter. He loved traveling. He traveled the world and he wanted to make a spreadsheet of like what were the best country in the world. That He went to Australia, that his top number one country to live in was Australia. Talking to him and, you know, he kind of like made me even regret even more that I didn't go to Australia when I had the chance. And I remember when I turned 28, you know, like you need, as an artist, you need to to move from companies so that you can expand and broaden like your horizon and work with new artists. I remember going off stage one day and being like, I think I've seen what Europe can offer. And I'm at the age where if I don't move now, I'm not going to find another job somewhere else and I will be stuck then in this company, which is fine, but I, I feel like I need one more adventure. I took my phone and contacted Aurelian through Facebook. And I was like, hey, Aurelian, how are you? I don't know if you remember me, but uh, is the job offer still valid? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, well, actually, as a matter of fact, well, of course, I remember you. And we do have um, an opening for a job in about a month. Uh, I'm happy to hold the position for you for six months, but of course I haven't seen you dance in three years, so I need to see videos, blah, blah. So I had to send him videos, my resume and whatnot. And then long story short, I was there six months later. <laughs> wow. So you said you didn't have much expectation when it comes to, I guess, living in Australia. Mm -hmm. But what about working and in your case, dancing in Australia for an Australian company? I wanted to dance more and I knew I could dance more. And also I was coming from a company that had 92 dancers. It's great because you're part of like a huge projection, amazing choreographers are coming and it's incredible. But then after a certain time, I was like, well, I'm tired to be just a number out of 92 dancers. I want to go to a smaller size company so that I want to dance. I just want to dance and I want to get opportunities. And in my mind, I was like, well, if the director shows me like he means he really likes my dancing and also it was at the time because now the company expanded a bit i think when i joined six years ago we were like 38 dancers and now they're about 47 something like that i knew the company had like a lot of shows and you know i'm gonna try if i don't dance more that what i wanted at least is going to be the best human adventure if i don't dance more than finland well i'll just go back to finland and then i can be at peace because i know i would have tried you know and then I won't be bitter for not getting the part that I want. Again, I arrived in the company, just wanted to dance and work hard and learn. And it was funny because I got really lucky. So most of the artistic stuff was French. So I was like, yay. <laughs> It's like going, it's like going back home. <laughs> half of the staff was from Australia and then the other half was French Belgium, but I count him as French. Yeah, that's very funny when you, when you travel on the other side of the world to end up being surrounded by French people. And it does happen a lot actually in Australia. Yeah, it's funny because people tell me, Oh my God, you poor thing. You must miss so much like speaking French. And I'm like, I speak French on a daily basis with like my boss and my best friend is from France. She's in Paris. So I do speak a lot. I mean, but it's funny because after a while you start speaking more like friendlish, you know, so you, yeah, you just take shortcuts where it's like, oh, that's faster to say this way. I know they're going to understand me if I say this in English. So 
and they're not going to think I'm a snob because I do speak some English with them. It's a perfect transition to one of the things I wanted to discuss with you in the ballet world. And in fact, ballet, it's a French mm. word. You use French words when you train. Yeah. Uh, so each step has a meaning and the movement reflects the name of the step. And it makes sense for us when we learn ballet because, for example, a fondue for someone who's going to be a non-French speaker is going to be like, what the hell is a fondue? Like, that's the cheese thing, right? So... <laughs> And it means actually, yeah, it means to melt. So, and the, um, the movement is really a melting kind of like slow movement and control. And, you know, so it, it makes sense to us. But of course, like, you know, it's a bit like, a, I think they call Chinese whisper in, in English. But because like ballet is so old and it's been created in the 1700s uh, with Louis XIV court, of course, then, you know, when he migrated to Russia, the Russian, they started calling the steps in a French way, a different way. The British have a different way of calling steps, still in French. So that drives me nuts because I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to be called. <laughs> But it's just different schools. So going to Australia, I had to just relearn different words for the steps. But I guess it was also the case when I danced in, in Europe, uh, not in France. So yeah, you just have to adapt, I guess. I'm not very attached to the name of the steps as long as they're well done, you know, and everyone understands each other. Who cares, right? What it is called. It's just a name. When you started to dance with the West Australian Ballet in your first month, so in terms of your training at the studio, performing, what was really different? What really surprised you and challenged you? Oh my God, they're so fast to learn steps. They're so fast. And I think it's because... There, there were such a smaller company by numbers that it was great because there's different casts. So you would learn one, one night you would dance five different roles. Then the next night you would do the principal role. And then the other night you would do the soloist role. So at the end, you nearly learn the old ballet. And then it's just like um, training your memory, right? Uh, and because the way it works in Australia is very much Anglo-Saxon. So it's very much like how it works in America and, and England. They have seasons. You're not in the opera house. So they rent the theater for like a month and then they just like make you make as many performances as possible. You come back to the ballet center and then you move on to the next production. In Europe, it's a bit different because you're usually in the opera house, which means you have access to the stage whenever you want. And one night you're going to do a ballet, then the other night the opera is going to have the stage. So you have the whole day of rehearsal and you're usually rehearsing a completely other ballet. And you have time. I felt like in Europe, you just had time. We were much more, we were in like 92. So you were learning less parts anyway. So I arrived, I remember the first time, the first week. And I was like, my God, I'm going to have to do so much homework. I had to look at the steps at home because I was like, I'm too slow. And already to start with, I'm not the fastest to learn. But then once I know it, I know it for life. But yeah, so for me already, and I tell you, because they're so fast, you freak out. You're like, oh my God, like you don't want to be the one who like, you know, slows down to everyone. So that was one thing that I was really like, okay, I need to step up my game with <laughs> my memory. And then just the way they work, like they have like, like big seasons. So for The next two and a half months, you're stuck with one production, which is great and not great. Great because you feel really ready. But then if you're not so happy with what you're dancing, then you're stuck for two and a half months with the same ballet. The season, which are like from 
Tuesday to Sunday or Tuesday to Saturday, nonstop shows for three weeks. So, you know, you can say goodbye to your social life. You can say goodbye to your sleep. You can say goodbye to life in general. You're just in like performance modes. And even my friends at the time, they were like, we don't even bother you when you're in season because you're not going to respond. So that, that was a bit hard for me to get used to like that intense season package kind of thing. It sounds like it's very different in terms of the pace. Yeah. And the way you, maybe even the way you train and you approach the, the performances. If you're from a young age, you're used to that. You're like, oh, it's normal, right? But because I, I was dancing prior to that for more than 10 years in big opera house, it took me years to get used actually of this, of that type of like being performance every night. Like you don't have a night off. So like for three weeks, or if you have a night off, it's just, it's your day off, right? But then you go back and it's like, bang, I have to do another show and sometimes two shows a day. And when, when you do hard ballets like Swan Lake or Nutcracker, the big classical ballet and you have in four weeks counting production week like more than 30 runs it's really hard to stay on top of your game and you know the audience they pay the same amount of money that they come see the first show of the season or the last and it's not fair on them to not perform at your best you know like you can't give the excuse sorry today guys i'm feeling a bit tired so i'm not gonna perform at my best and i hope that's okay with that you spend 120 dollars on your tickets you know Yeah, so that was just very hard for me to to get used to that rhythm. Did you find any difference as well in the relationship with the audience when you perform, the mood? I guess it's different almost every night and also depend on the ballet. But. I think, yeah, I did. And I got a bit upset sometimes because our Australian audience, they're actually not shy, but I think because they are... And the ballet, this thing is like, okay, we're not allowed to make any noise, guys. You know, we're just going to clap at the end. We're not going to disturb them. And so sometimes you, you get no reaction from the audience. And it's so hard because you're just like, literally, sometimes you're dying on stage. Like you're busting your ass. You're like, my God. And then at the end, they just like, you barely hear them. You're like, oh my God, what is terrible. And then sometimes you go to comedy shows or stuff and they're like standing ovation, screaming. And you're like, you have this in you guys. Bring it onto the ballet. Uh, it's just a bit of a cultural, I think, difference. I think everywhere where I danced, actually, I danced in Germany and Switzerland and Finland. And, and the culture is a bit more as well humble in that sense that they don't want like ballets, you know, the top arts, one of the top arts. So you don't disturb the dancers like, you know, you it's classy. So and then sometimes uh, you you hear, you know, audiences like in America or in more Latin countries and they are what? you know and you're like we want this because <laughs> it gives you so much energy so the audience at least the purse audience has always been so grateful so you wouldn't hear them so much during the show but at the end for curtain call you would really you know hear them and always the, the feedback is was always really amazing and so you knew they appreciated from the last vows and then the feedback but um yeah it's it's different it's very respectful i think in that sense so if anyone's listening and goes to the ballet we love to hear you cheer and clap guys <laughs> I think be careful what you wish for. <laughs> oh, I swear to you, like we <laughs> ask every dancer, especially during Swan Lake when you're like dying and when you hear them, actually, you're like, okay, I mean, I don't know. It's like a bit when you do a marathon and you're at the finish line and you hear people go, yeah, and you're like, yes. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, actually, it's a very good comparison that you make because 
you guys, you know, ballerinas, dancers, you are athletes. And yeah. usually when you go to see a, a game, you know, a football match, uh, yeah. you always have the crowd really cheering and giving the energy. And yeah. it's true, actually. Now I realize I've seen some ballet here in Melbourne and I guess people almost are too respectful or... Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, like very, very careful oh my god this is they the don't know. Yeah. yeah exactly and also because i know a lot of people usually also go to see maybe a, a symphony or an orchestra and like you know during a symphony you don't clap in between the movement right so i don't know if it's that we always say we're very happy to hear the audience <laughs> <laughs> again when we were chatting you told me that you seen also a bit of a different approach as a ballerina you were dancing some ballet that were maybe a bit different or the artistic approach was a bit different in Perth than when you were in Europe? Yeah, I think it's a, a cultural thing. So I think, for example, I know the culture in Finland is very reserved. I'm not saying like, I don't want to offend anyone. So, but they may be more in the way they perform. There is maybe a, a bit more reserved. And I remember going from Finland when I was so extra because I'm French and arriving in in Perth and actually having to step up my you know artistic game because like it was completely different and it's very outgoing it's very yeah it's very Australian you know what I mean so you have to adapt this to fit the culture you're in and also it's hard because you want to keep also your identity as an artist and also like I say it depends also a lot on your artistic director what they like what's the, their vision for the company. So, and I think, I guess that's what's the the beauty of this job is that you keep on growing and ex experimenting you side of yourself as an artist. Also, I think the roles I got to dance in, in Australia were more mature because I was also a more mature dancer by then. And I had to really go deeper that maybe in Finland. So I think the whole thing would have been different because a culture and be me also growing as a human being and a, as a person, you know. So as part of the West Australian Ballet, you dance in Perth the majority of the time, but you were also going to dance in regional Western Australia. It's great. Actually, it was so much fun. We went to, uh, I hope there's some people from <laughs> W listening or some people who know W because they're going to laugh, I think. So we had the privilege to go to Port Hedland. <laughs> It's really up, up, up north of WA. To give you a kind of an um, idea, it takes you two and a half hours or three hours plane ride to get there. And then we took the bus to Karatha, which is great because it's really not far from the Kimberley, like all this area, you know, like the Kimberleys and everything. I would love discovering the outback, I guess, <laughs> or like the, because like those, those towns, they're so remote. And then we also went to Kalgoorlie, which is obviously really well known for the, um, the gold mines and everything. But so all the cities we've been to, they've really been developed for mining purposes, right? Even if Kalgoorlie is an old city, the audience there was way more loud. And I think it's just they appreciate so much having actually artists coming to, because um, it's really far. Like, I mean, as a French person, like in nearly three hours plane ride, you're like on, in another continent, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, Paris, New York is like, what, five hours? In nearly three hours, you're not even out of WA. It takes like 20 hours or something, drive 24 hours, drive from Paris, you know, it's, yeah. And I think it was a privilege to actually be 
part of bringing culture and arts in more remote places. We also went to Albany. So, and Albany is um, more southeast of, of Perth. It's actually the place, actually, if people are into history, that's where the first Enzac Battalion left the harbor where they left to go Turkey and everywhere. So there's a huge museum that I didn't get to see because we we're on tour and we had to work. And I was like, I can have five minutes off to go to the museum. And they're like, no. <laughs> and uh, and then we've been to Bunbury also, which is halfway through Margaret River. And uh, yeah, and the only other territory I've seen is Northern Territory because we went to Darwin. For an exchange, it was kind of an exchange program uh, with the community there. We were supposed to tour in Melbourne and then COVID happened and then we were stuck for two years. And that's a shame, but, you know, I'm sure I'll get a chance with other opportunities, you know. (laughs) And so you also told me that you dance with Aboriginal communities? Yeah, there was two different projects that uh, we did. The most recent one was Swan Lake, and uh, we had the privilege to dance with the Noongar artist and having Barry Maguire as looking over like that we were, you know, respecting the tradition and also respecting the story because they allowed us to share with them on stage the story of the Black Swan, which is a WN, really a purse story. The story was set in Perth at the time of when the first people arrived in Perth. The opening scene is in Fremantle and you have immigrants arriving. And it was at the time where everyone was happy and cohabiting really well together. And the story of the Black Swan is actually very similar to if it's perfectly the Swan Lake story. So if, if you have a chance, go and see it because it's it's a very, very special and very powerful ballet because it doesn't deny the history. And because we had the guidance of Barry Maguire, it was done in such a respectful way, but still being very true to what happened at those times. I must say I got really emotional few times. The choreography was from um, Christoph Pastor, which is um, he's a Polish choreographer. And he's very, very excellent at storytelling. And he used the music of Swan Lake, which is so iconic, for so powerful moments. And I remember being in the studio rehearsing and seeing the first time that scene that I haven't been in rehearsal for, so I wasn't aware of that scene, and really felt like, oh, my God, and starting to cry because I was like, this is so powerful. And it is, you know, it is part of history and it is important to... And such an honor through art to tell the story, you know. And what I loved about the Noongar artists is like they were just so welcoming and so full of love, but just love for human beings. You know, they don't care your body shape. They don't care how they just accept you as they're like once you accepted your brother or sister. And I think sometimes we lose this part of humanity. And I think, yeah, we can all learn from that you know, that side. And I remember, so Barry was singing, he was representing the spirit and he was singing uh, on top of the swan like music sometimes. And then spoiler alert, but at the end, like it's not a very nice ending. And uh, he was on stage and he was supposed just to be on stage and be a presence, but then he got inspired and started to sing a spirits uh, song. And it just fitted so well with this one, like music and everyone, because it was just during production week. He wasn't even like, we're talking opening night is like in three nights. 
And he started to like do this. And I remember being side stage, just waiting for the rehearsal to end. And, and everyone stopped and everyone was like, whoa, it was just so beautiful and just so special. And um, because Swan Lake was my last production, I get emotional, sorry. Oh. <laughs> it was my last production as a um, professional ballerina. And this moment was just so special every night for the 21 plus show we had, I was side stage watching him sing. It was just so yeah, powerful and beautiful and yeah, very, very special. I, I keep like a huge um, place in my heart for this production and this experience, really. <laughs> I think it's very powerful what you are describing because obviously, you know, you, you, are, you are French, you live in Australia, in Perth, you have had the chance to have a bit of a contact and to learn a little bit about the Aboriginal community, but it's actually not very often. And it's sometimes really difficult to understand. You were very careful, you know, the words you were using, but I feel like through art, in your case, dance, but also song, there was like instant communication and you were, it's like you were all talking the same language, all sharing the same story at the end. It's yeah. almost the same story, no matter the culture. And that is so powerful. That's exactly what Barry told us. The minute we met him, he was like, we're all here on the same journey. We're all one family. And, and it's true. Like it makes you see that, you know, it doesn't matter the culture. It doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter how you look, it doesn't matter your body shape. At the end of the day, we're all human and we're all, well, actually, I'm going to sound really cheesy because we've heard that since 2020, we're all in this together. But it is true. And it's funny because listening also like, you know, to the to the dream from Aboriginal culture, and it's just like at the core, we all want the same. We all want to be loved. We all want to be feeling that we belong somewhere and being part of a community. And I think this is like, I feel really honored as well that we were allowed to be part of sharing those experience with the Aboriginal community. Like it was just such a growing experience and a good, like you really remembered why are we here? What matters? You know, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter anything. Just be a good human being, you know, that's mm. it. Just... It sounds like it's really nourish as well your experience, you know, of living in Australia. Because I feel like, you know, sometimes maybe for you, Perth, it's quite different because it's actually a very unique city being so yeah. remote. And for me, for example, I arrived in Australia and I always lived in Melbourne. Yeah. Of course, there is some differences, you know, but Really, it's not so different from living in a big city in Europe, you know. So when you have the chance to really experience, you know, this culture, you know, to go in the outback. And I think that your life in Australia takes a, a whole different meaning and goes on a completely different level. And it's so much deeper. Honestly, I'm so grateful. Prior to this, like a few years back, I think it was 2018, we did another project with some um, artists from, I think it's Northern Territory, but I know it was really at the limits with Queensland. I don't remember. Anyway, they were not part of WA, so they flew to Perth and we were allowed to tell the story of the elders through dance. And it was called Milnia, uh, which means Milky Way in their language. 
So the choreographer used Aboriginal step and made it like more contemporary dance. And so we we danced like, you know, he taught us like the, the kangaroo step or, you know, the crocodile move. And, and it's so precise. And the way, because they're so respectful towards you and towards your culture and towards everything, you want to give that back. It's really a gift. Like you feel every time you're involved, you feel it's a gift. You know what I mean? And that's, and yeah, it was just incredible to go actually on their land and discovering like Darwin and see all the crocodiles. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted an adventure. I think I got it. <laughs> yes. You know, I really, I really like this kind of stories because this podcast for me, it's really about that. We are French. We live in Australia. I love to celebrate and tell the story of people who really take the both our life from France and our life in Australia and do like the best mix. And I feel like you need to be exposed as well to many, many different experiences to make the best mix. And I also like to play a little bit with the cliché. So I was wondering, you are French, you are ballerina. I feel like uh, it's very, like you are like a living cliche, right? Yes. <laughs> Do you actually experience it in your, in your life? Yeah. Oh my God. Like, yeah, of course it's, it's well, the expectation as well. Already when you're French, I'm sure you have that. So the cliche, you're French. Oh, you must cook so well. No, I don't cook. I hate cooking, you know, already. That's the first cliche. And then, oh, you're a ballerina, you must be, and you're French, you must be so mean and stuff. And I'm like, well, do you oh, want yeah? to be mean? Yeah. Because, you know, there's this thing with like being like Paris opera, maybe like, you know, with like black swan and everything. So now everyone think, you know, that. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, I can live up to your expectation if you want me to be mean, but like, that's not who I am. But it's funny because when you sent me some of the questions you were thinking to ask me, I, I read them to my partner who is Australian. And one of the questions was like, what's the most French thing about yourself? And I was like, oh, Andrew, I don't know. I don't think I can answer that question because I don't see myself. It's like, oh, I can answer to you. You're a massive snob. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. So apparently that's the cliche um, that, you know, Australians have about us and I'm living up to the expectations. So... <laughs> It's surprising because I heard that about Parisian, not so much about French in general, but Parisian. So maybe you are even more Parisian than you are French. I know. I don't know because I'm not even from Paris to start with. So I don't know. I, I think it's just because I know what I like. I know what I don't like. And, you know, if you're going to call champagne champagne, it has to come from champagne. It can't be sparkling wine. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree. Again, perfect transition. So your partner is Australian and yeah. you met him here and you experienced a little bit the dating life in oh. Perth. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think Australians are so much more laid back about dating. And then when they start dating, until you have the conversation, oh, we're together, you're not really together. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I feel in France, like you, you're you're also laid back about dating, but you focus on one person at a time. So you don't really need to have the conversation. When we needed to have that talk saying like, oh, what are we? I'm like, we're dating. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, but are we exclusive? I'm like, well, I mean, it's just for me, it's just so funny that it's a thing, you know, it's just yeah. um, also I feel French people, we're very direct and open and we're not scared of having Austrians calls in an argument. I call it a heated discussion. 
are about negative points. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, I feel like the communicating style is completely different. And the thing that drives me crazy is when, well, now, I mean, at least with Andrew, we've been together for nearly three years. So he got used to my heated discussion vibe. <laughs> You know, you let your emotion and you start talking passionately about something that's not necessarily pleasant. And they tell you, no, but calm down. And you're like, I'm calm. I'm just like expressing myself, you know. And they're like, why are we arguing? And you're like, this is not an argument. Believe me, you don't want to see what's an argument. <laughs> it's just different. And I think also, unfortunately, the the cliche, I'm a French ballerina, it's very attractive at first. And then they realize what it means. And that it's a lifestyle is not just, you know, and a lot of men have bad egos and it has to be all about them. And so when they understand that, unfortunately, when, when I was dancing and I'm in season and I'm preparing for a role, I'm sorry, but I won't have the time to give you all the attention on you. And, and then that's when a lot of men would be like, okay, it's too hard. So I just, but eventually you found. You're perfect Australian. <laughs> yeah, and I must say, like, I, I tell him always he deserves a medal. But, like, every partner of uh, ballerinas, they deserve a medal because the patience it takes is just uh, incredible. But it's funny because all the little, like, quirk we had at the beginning, like, you know, are we arguing that every time you speak to couples who are, like, Franco-Australian, they all go through that at first. And the Australians, they leave it so badly. They're like, why is this so hard? And you're like, and for me, I'm like, this is not hard. This is just, you know, I mean, you know. So, yeah, it's it's just very funny. I think we could debate about relationship, uh, you know, love relationship between French and Australian. It's quite funny. I should write a book about it. <laughs> yes, that's the beauty of, you know, again, having uh, different experiences. And I was saying so many times that I was probably having enough content to write a book as well. Mm -hmm. But then I feel, well, people who arrive now, they're going to have to figure out by themselves. <laughs> yeah, we all had to go through that now. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, like how to date a French woman or a French man in Australia. <laughs> that would be a good one. <laughs> Yeah, so now you have your partner, um, your Australian partner, and you, you were telling me that you also found a family, an Australian family here. Uh, oh, I'm actually, I must say, really, really lucky because I find sometimes the notion of Austra family in Australia is very different than in Europe and especially the Latin country, you know. I've personally been always really close to my family. But Andrew is also really close to his family. And I met Andrew in May 2020. So we just came out of the first big lockdown. And at the time, W, I mean, I know you guys had a really hard time as well on the East Coast. But for us, it's like we had no case, like no COVID case, but we were stuck. And I couldn't leave the country because of my visa. So it would have been, you know... Yeah, his family completely adopted me and they made sure that every birthday or every Christmas was extra special for me. And I'm so grateful. It's so sweet. And even now his mom is always asking me, so for your birthday, what do you usually go like in France? Which cake do you usually do? Or for Christmas, what tradition do you miss? What do you want to do this year? And 
like they honestly uh if it wasn't for him and his family i think i would have gone crazy with these lockdowns and the border closure and everything and it's funny because they always make fun of me because i'm french but you know it's good i love it it's cute <laughs> <laughs> so you have a big um australian part in your life are you also involved in the french community in perth Unfortunately, not enough. Now that I have more time, I really would love to change that. The only reason is because, so I retired in December, so it's very recent. And our schedule was just so crazy busy that I didn't have time to, you know, go to the Alliance Francaise and do more. So I know, obviously, the director, I know people from there, but I haven't had a chance yet to do as much as I would like with the French community. Because I had my French culture fix at work and with my best friend, it was okay. But I feel also it's very important when you move to a country to really immerse yourself in the culture. Even though I really don't forget my roots and I'm very big on like some French tradition and, you know, like culture. I think it's very healthy to really try to step out of your comfort zone and really be immersed in the culture you live in. Yeah, I think it's our job as being immigrants to try, like not forget who we are in heart, but like to really try to fit. And maybe I was a bit trying to really be integrated in the Australian culture, plus not having the time. So, yeah. So um, what would you say to the young Claire arriving in Australia a couple of years ago? What advice you will give her? What, You're gonna make me what, cry the, again. <laughs> what does it take to to create a happy life, you know, to make your life and your dream come true in Australia? I mean, it's going to sound so arrogant, but I, I wouldn't change much because I think for me, what's important is no matter where you decide to go, be really true to yourself. Like for me, if you are at the right place, things will happen. And maybe I would just say sometimes when I would get a bit frustrated with my visa or if I would get frustrated with, you know, stuff not moving fast enough or still being single or, you know, all those things, I would say just trust the process because we all have our journey. I mean, I know it's very namaste, but it's so true. And I think through the whole six years I've been, you know, I've, of course I've had ups and downs, but I think everything prepared me to be where I am today. I wouldn't change anything. I think even the laws, I would keep them because they really made me who I am today. And and I think it's just because Australia is the place for me. I think that's where I'm meant to be. And then I lived in Finland for six years and I didn't feel that I was successful there or I was as integrated. And, and I just believe that deep down it was just not the place for me. I, I think when you know, you know, to be honest, right? Yeah, but again, you come back to just trusting your gut instinct. In your case, you said it's a lot through your body, I guess. Yes. <laughs> what, what you are and what you do. So you came to Australia to dance with the West Australian Ballet. Yeah. And then this chapter of your life finished last month. Yeah, like a month and a half ago. Yeah, it's crazy. Again, I might cry, but... <laughs> Look, I was really ready. I'm 35 and a half. Everyone uh, laugh when I say and a half, but believe me, those six extra months after dancing for 30 plus years, you really feel them in your body. And I know I'm so young. And that's why I stopped now because 
I am so young, but for the ballet world, um, you know, I was really becoming a senior to be a senior, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was really prepared. It took me 18 months. No, I took the decision again. I just knew. But then mentally, it took me 18 months to be able to retire. So let's, I retired in December 2022, but I already took my decision in August 2021. But then, you know, it's just a thought. And then you're like, oh, is it the right thought? And then, yeah, it took me, it was a big roller coaster of emotion, like waking up in the middle of the night, feeling completely sick because I was like, is this really happening? Am I really, because I was in shape. I was still dancing at the top of my game and, I, and I'm still loving dancing. I didn't stop because I didn't love dancing anymore, but you work so hard for this art since I was four, right? I started when I was four and you work your entire childhood and teenagehood, beginning of adulthood to reach a certain level. And I didn't want to go when I was crippled and where I couldn't dance anymore at the best of my capacities. I was like, what's the point? It's terrible. And then you become bitter because so for me, it was really, I need to go when I feel that I reach what I can achieve. And I felt I reach what I can achieve and it's time for me to move on and it's time for me to, to start this new chapter. And it was really hard. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like that last show when, you know, I had my final bow, like when the director, you know, made me go to take my last bow, I felt like I will never forget that feeling. It was just sickening. There's no, no return. Something, a part of you is dead and you need to just like be ready to move on. And I'm happy I did the whole, you know, grief process while I was still dancing. So I was always thinking, this is my last season of this. This is my last time I'm dancing this role, you know. So I feel like it was hard, but I was kind of prepared. And I knew what I wanted to do after. So it was a bit easier, I guess. Yeah, it was very emotional. <laughs> I'm French again, right? <laughs> it's still very, very fresh. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because I'm really, I'm someone, I think when I'm done, I'm done and I don't look back. And again, my gut feeling told me this is time. And I was like, fine. So as soon as I made my decision, I worked towards the goal that I would not look back and I would just go towards the future. And for me, I get more reward now sharing my knowledge and experience with the new generation or either, or even people like adults who want help with their movements, who want help feeling better more confident i'm just happy to you know like humbly try to share what i've you know gathered in years <laughs> of experience and i think it's the beauty is like to pass on the baton <laughs> no, but to pass on what you have it's it's their time to shine right it's i've had my time to shine and i'm super grateful and now i'm i'm happy to shine backstage <laughs> what what it is now what are your projects what do you um, want to do? What are your new dreams? Well, I would say now I'm, I, I like to call myself a movement specialist because I am doing uh, Pilates movement therapy, which is uh, some Pilates, but like really on the rehab side and, you know, helping people to feel better, stronger, more efficient in their way of moving. So for athletes, it's so important because we all use the body so smart to find tricks to move a certain way that's so not efficient but lazy in a way but then you waste your energy you waste your stamina you waste everything and so for me to practice pilates while i was dancing i saw the difference between pre-pilates post-pilates like roles and 
the the difference was huge you know so i wanted to share this with the world not <laughs> with like the community and so that's one thing i'm also teaching ballet of course because i think like it's i need this and then i'm trying something i'm doing some choreography and that's also another world that's really hard to you know get in so I'm hoping to have one day some of my choreography performed by other companies around the world. Even if someone needs a choreography for a commercial or for, I'm not the type of person who's like, I have to choreograph only on dancers. I think actually it's great to choreograph on other people. And then I'm also offering my service as a movement consultant. So a movement director, so it can be for photo shoots or for someone who has to prepare for a role or just like for someone who has to do a speech in front of an audience, sorry, and doesn't feel confident with the way they stand, you know. I'm doing those four things, let's say. So that's why I like to say now I try to call myself more like a movement specialist because yes, I'm always going to be a ballerina and ballet is my background and it helps me so much. But yeah, I think I want to bring that to the non-ballet community actually. And you see all these beautiful projects taking place in Perth always and forever? Well, yeah, well, we just bought a house, so I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yes, my, my base will always be Perth because I think also to raise a family, eventually I've never seen a city better. You guys from the East Coast, you need to come and check it out. It's, you know, it takes you 20 minutes to get to the beach. The beach is not crowded because it's huge and massive. You, you know. should not tell anyone, actually. Keep this well, little no, secret not. for you. <laughs> no, it's good. Then I come and work with me, you know. <laughs> no, and also compared to like France, London, I lived in London, which is London was so much fun. But, you know, those big cities, if you don't have like millions of dollars, like forget it. You live like two hours away from, you know, the city center. You waste your time in like traffic and no. So, so I know I will always want to come back, but I also know that I wouldn't mind to have another advent maybe somewhere else and it's time also I know my partner dream is to he lived abroad when he was very young he lived in Singapore from the age of like three till eight something like that so early childhood and uh, since then all his adulthood's been in person he's like I feel he wants to experience that so as a good partner <laughs> I'm fully supportive and and actually I wouldn't mind to just um, explore maybe for a couple of years another country and then but yeah I, I definitely want my citizenship before I leave because <laughs> it's just like so we're going to wait a couple of years. And then once I get my citizenship, we can, you know, we can think of moving somewhere else. But yeah, my home, my home base will always be Paris. Yes, for sure. But could this country be France? Because for him, that would be quite an adventure. Yeah. And then you can get the French passport too. That'd be great. Yeah. Like, of course, France, why not? I think it would be great to be close to my family, actually. But then I'm like, but then it's boring because I know France and I know the culture, you know. So, but I must tell you, like right now, I wouldn't mind to live a bit maybe in Asia, Singapore or something like that. I don't know. I feel like it would be a lot of fun. So maybe we'll see what happened in the next uh, couple of years. Yes. We'll I actually had the chance to meet you virtually. Oh. But now I hope uh, I will have a chance to come to Perth soon. But thanks to my previous guest, Olivier yes. David. Love Thank him. you, Olivier. 
So now I'm asking you, is there any French person you can think of who yes. has an amazing Australian success story to tell and that you would like to hear in this podcast? Yes, she's going to kill me though, because she doesn't know I'm going to tell you her name. <laughs> My best friend, Stephanie, I don't know if I can tell her family name, so I'm just going to say Stephanie for now, but... <laughs> She's like my girl's crush, you know, like she's just my best friend. And she moved to Australia eight years ago, nine years ago now. I don't want to say a mistake, but she used to be a supermodel and she had an international career as a model. And then she fell in love with a first boy. <laughs> and then for visa reason, they had to come back to Perth together, but it was supposed to be just for a couple of months, then a couple of years. And then, you know, a few years later, a family later, she's still here. And, and yeah, I think she, she has a, an amazing stories to tell. And I think she, yeah, she's also one of the reason why I love her so much. You know, she's like my French family far from France, you know, <laughs> she feels comfortable. I, I would love to. So <laughs> yes, do good stuff. Yes. <laughs> So I just have a few questions for the end. You know, they are like the short and sweet questions. Actually, you already answered one. First, I want to ask you, Claire, what is the French word that you keep saying even when you speak in English and that is not a ballet related word? Well, it's going to, be, it's going to sound so lame, but I just called my partner Sherry. So I'd say it's always Sherry, Sherry, Sherry. And you know, anyway, so I think that would be the one. Um, but that's very cute. I take that. Okay, all right. <laughs> so you told us what is the most French about you, but you can you can give another one, maybe. I really don't know what's French about me. Like I think I can't. Heated conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, heated conversation. Passion. Maybe that's yes. what it is. I'm very passionate. Yes. <laughs> and the most Australian. Oh, I think uh, Andrew says the way I say no. So I say that's the only thing you actually, you got the no really well. And the other day he said to me, I said, oh, good, good on ya. And he, he said, he looked at me and he was like, oh my God, I think you're ready for your passport. That's it. He <laughs> said, like, I got some slang that I'm studying. And also I wear Uggs boots everywhere, which I know it's like, some people say so bogan, but I'm like, you're so wrong, guys. If you go to France and you wear Uggs boots, you're like, the classiest person in town, just saying. And I don't know, they're just so comfy, they're warm, you know, it's best creation. And in summer, I wear my, you know, they're classy flip-flops. They're not classy, they're not like those disgusting thongs, you know, but like, and I just wear them everywhere because after 20 plus years on point shoes, my feet needs to breathe. <laughs> Exactly. I guess you need to cherish your feet for the rest of your lives. And to finish, this podcast is called Success Stories à la Française. Uh, but everyone has a different definition for success. So what would be your definition of success? For me personally, I think the way I see my success here in Australia is managing to integrate myself and building my, my life and a comfortable and a, and a life that I love, full of like uh, people that I love around me and uh, beautiful experiences. And yeah, just I think for me, one of the best compliments is when someone tells me, oh my God, like we can tell you French, but like your accent is not super obvious. And I work so hard to try to integrate myself and not make it super obvious that, yeah, it's the best compliment. So I think that's for me, my success story. And the ending would be when I get that blue passport. <laughs> when is it uh, uh, happening? Well, I mean, if anyone from the government listen and they want to send it to me now, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> But if not, um, it should be in two years now. 
this year I'm going to be eligible for permanent residency. And I think after one year, you're eligible for your citizenship. So hopefully the 26th of January 2025 will be my citizenship uh, party, but we'll see. It's very special. In the meantime, keep uh, enjoying this beautiful life that you created in Perth. Where can we find you? Yes. So my business Instagram is vos.move. So V-O-S-S dot moves. And then my um, personal Instagram, um, you can come and check me out as well if you want. It's just Vos Claire. And Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Claire. That was really amazing, this conversation <laughs> with you. And I really, really wish I will come to Perth soon and I can maybe take a ballet lesson with you. Thank you. À bientôt. À bientôt. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and felt inspired to write your own success story, whatever you want it to be. You can find all the references in the note of the episode. I like hearing from you, so don't hesitate to share your feedback and suggest me new guests. You can find me on Instagram at youarsofrench.thepodcast or email me at youarsofrench.thepodcast at gmail.com. To finish, I would love it if you could help me make this podcast my success story by rating You Are So French, the podcast on your favorite streaming platform with stars, the more the better. You can also subscribe to never miss an episode and of course, tell your friends and family about it. Merci et à bientôt.